Master Tavern Keeper's History of the Old World. So, before Lusa Haken was recruited by the, um, uh, what was his name? Um, Ab, 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 I think you mean Aborash. Ah, yeah, yeah, that is the one. So, before this, Haken was a brave young warrior, it seems. Fascinating. Although, I find it uh, hard to reconcile the insane vampire pirate king that my grandpapa met with this particular image. What in the world happened to him in the city of Lamia? Ah, well, exactly. The answer is easy, though. World-changing events, my friend. World-changing events. Ones that unleashed a plague upon the entire globe that will no doubt be with us until, well, who knows when. Perhaps until the end times. Wash it all away. That said, even then, such is the strength of the curse of Lamia that I feel it could even survive the fiery end of all things. The legacy of the great necromancer seems to be as uh, irrepressible as it is indefatigable. Fortunately, though, none of us will be around to see any of that, I'd wager. Yeah, yeah, that is certainly my hope, at least. Actually, as it happens, I once asked our own uh, Master Diviner up there in Alteza about the uh, end times. I don't know what possessed me to do it, to be honest. Probably a few too many ales. But uh, anyway, what he told me sobered me right up. I'll never forget his words. The three-eyed king's long wait will come to an end, and the knees of demon and mortal alike will break, buckle, and bend. At the head of an army filled with madness, despair, and rage, he will cut down both the high and low, burning away our last page. And the world will burn, and the world will burn, and the world will end. And the laughter of the dark gods will ring loud in our ears. And the winds will blow here no more, leaving us for another shore. Obviously, I can't make Egna tale of it, but it does not sound good. Not one jot. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Uh, but uh, do you believe him? Ah, uh, well, actually, I've come to trust his predictions more and more as the years have gone by, which is what made this uh, particular... Uh, prophecy, let's say. So alarming. Ah, for example, he locked himself away in his tower in Upper Alteza a full week before the Skaven invasion. His larders stocked with enough dried and salted provisions to get him through two years, uh, by all accounts anyway. And uh, he'd been muttering the following for years. Rats, rats, rats from the depths. 
Here they come for a year and one. Nail the door and prepare for war, or take to the sea for a rival's oar. But, to be honest, no one took any notice of him. What fools we are. Look outside the window now. Skaven, flooding our streets, murdering our men, folk and women. <sighs> what fools we were. Ah, but uh, who could make sense of such a uh, gobbledygook? Perhaps we should uh, leave such uh, depressing topics for now and uh, press on with your tale. Ah, yes, indeed, let's. Now, neophytes, we shall talk in depth about the full history of the land of Neakara another day, but for dear Heinrich, here's a benefit. It is worth knowing the following. By the time that Luther Harkon had joined its army, Lamia had already become the second most powerful city in Neakara, uh, after Kemri, of course, its capital. Now, this was in the period following the rise and defeat of the great necromancer Nagash, the fountainhead of the undead curse in its many forms, almost all of which are still with us to this very day. Indeed, even here in Tobaro, before the Skaven came at least, you couldn't walk down the road without bumping into a wannabe Nagash. Admittedly, most of these are a Harmless teenagers with a penchant for wearing black robes, ridiculous hats, and far too much jewellery. But there are still a couple out there who are the real deal. And certainly not villains that you should ever cross. Heinrich. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No need to remind me. I was drunk. I was intrigued. I didn't know any better. <laughs> Just a bit of banter. Don't worry about it. Anyway, back to our tale. The blasphemy that Nagash perpetrated during his usurpation had caused all of Nehekara to rise up against him, throw off his shackles and cast him from his throne. What was it that he uh, did to become so reviled? Well, in a nutshell, both before and during his reign, Nagash combined dark magic learned from the Druki with his knowledge of death magic, learned during his time in the native mortuary cult of Nehekara, and created the new discipline of necromancy. Now, arguably, as a result of this alone, no one has brought more misery into this world than Nagash. Say perhaps the chaos gods and their devotees, of course. If this had been the extent of his evils, he would still be known today and cursed. But this was the beginning of his downward spiral. Not the end point. <sighs> anyway, he committed the findings of uh, his experiments into nine accursed tomes, which are now known to us as the Books of Nagash. Ah, yeah, yeah. Those are the tomes that my uh, friend Vendel told me about. The uh, necromancer Valdotain, a curse be upon his name. Apparently, bend all of his resources in seeking out copies of these. And with good reason. They are the most enduring sources of necromantic power in the old world, and potent magical artifacts in their own right. Possession of all nine would all but elevate the owner to godhood, and until they are all destroyed, there can be no chance of eliminating the shadow of Nagash from neither this world nor the next. 
However, truth be told, such a feat is probably beyond the ken of mortal men. And uh, so, not even worth considering. Perhaps nothing short of a divine intervention could achieve such a task. Hmm. Anyway, that's enough conjecture, I think. Let us continue with the story at hand. Nagash created many terrifying artefacts with his newfound knowledge, but his principal success was the creation of a cursed elixir of life, gifting those who partook of it eternal youth. And it was this prize that is the root of the evil that had overtaken Lamia by the time that the younger Luta Udgat of the Harkonai had entered her walls. Now, Nagash not only used the elixir to extend his own life, he also allowed a foul noble of Kemri, known as Arkan the Black, who had become his uh, most trusted vizier, and other similar sycophantic lieutenants, to partake in the elixir, granting each immortality, preternatural strength, and vitality. However, none but Nagash were able to recreate the potion, leaving each no better than adult slaves to their benefactor, mere addicts to their supplier. Which was no great change for Arkan by all accounts. Arkan was named The Black because he used to uh, habitually chew something called Juicesh, a highly addictive dried root popular with the fishermen of the time and uh, still popular today. It uh, apparently stains your teeth black with regular use. I, uh, I did try some when I was down south, but uh, I think it's an acquired taste. One I care not to acquire. I prefer my pipe weed and my booze, to be honest. Anyway, back to Nagash. After achieving immortality, no mean feat, and surely enough for uh, most people's lifetimes, Nagash then bent his prodigious powers to lashing the very winds of magic to his will. He ordered the construction of a vast black pyramid to this aim. However, the project quickly drained Kemri's resources and the need for more and more brought him to war against the other cities of his realm when they would not fulfil his ever-increasing tithes of tribute. It took him over 50 years complete the edifice, and once finished, it even dwarfed the mighty tomb of Setra, King of Kings. Its marble was of the blackest midnight, and even in the baking desert sun, the pyramid was cold to touch. Suffused as it was with pure magic held in place by arcane sigils of power. As planned, the pyramid caused the winds of magic to blow more strongly across the land of Nehekara which increased the power and potency of Nagash's dark magic and necromancy ten times over. But there was a price to pay, as there always is, and a reckoning was on the horizon. The debilitating tribute exacted by Kemri had the other cities of Nehekara in poverty and ruin. Eventually, the other priest kings put aside their petty differences and began to draw up their plans against Nagash and... Lamia was at the fore of this rebellion. However, before they were even able to muster a single cohort of warriors, the powers that were setting themselves up against the venture had become much stronger than any of them knew. 
the king of the city of Lamia, Lamasheptera IV, led a coalition of seven cities against the usurper. But he not only had to contend with the magic of Nagash. Envious eyes with his own ranks plotted behind closed doors with many of the same elements that were to draw Luther Harkin and his cousin Wallach into their den of intrigue many years later, pulling the strings.